Brady, I'm great. Thanks so much for having me on the show. I appreciate you being with us as uh, as always. Hard to believe this is actually our first time speaking this season. Our last time we spoke was uh, right after the uh, Marquette loss in the NCAA tournament a year ago. I got to tell you, this team is imperfect to me. It goes through some interesting bouts and guys go through interesting droughts. But man, what a statement Saturday was. It was a really just fun weekend. You're right. This team still have plenty of things to work out. But um, really, I think you could even toss in the Binghamton trip three straight road games for this Catamount team. And you kind of entered that trip. At least I was thinking, all right, Binghamton, I think, are, are better than their record at one and five in conference right now. And then you've got the top two teams right with UVM and UMass Lowell and Bryant. I know I entered that trip kind of thinking, all right, would love to win all three. But you win two out of three, not the end of the world. You're still in a great spot in the standings. Instead, they dominate Binghamton. They almost give it away against Lowell, but still they find a way to win, which is kind of becoming this team's whole signature style is that even when they don't play their best, they're finding ways to do it. And then one of their best performances on the defensive end of the season against the Bryant Bulldog offense that just plays so quickly. What they did to Bryant's offense was the big statement of the weekend to me. That defensive work of Shamir Bogues, O'Leary Iofalia, TJ Hurley, Nick Fiorillo, kind of that group defensively. That was the statement of the weekend, no doubt about it. You know, I have said this before, but the league does feel to be deeper this year. So we look at 6 and 0 and it doesn't feel oh they're just feasting on bad teams. Oh the league's not very good. It's Vermont and everybody else. UMass Lowell is good. Bryan is good. A main program that is a lot better, a Binghamton program mm. that is a lot better. This feels like the deepest the league has been in my 8 years of, you know, being at Vermont and then you know you had the 3 or 4 I was at UAlbany before that. The, the decade I've covered the league. This feels like the deepest it's been, Brian. It's a really unique league, isn't it? And I tell you what, Brady, one of my favorite just kind of weird quirks of the league right now, um, the league is under 500. Home teams in the league are under 500 right wow. now. And they are actually the worst winning percentage of any conference in the country for the home team. And so road teams are, are winning at an unbelievable rate. The funny thing is, Brady, a year ago, the America East home teams had the best winning percentage in the country. So it's totally flipped on its head. I'm not really sure why that is at this point, um, but there have only been 10 home wins in America East play so far. You're right. It does just feel like it's a bit of a deeper league. Some of the teams like UNH, UAlbany, they have an identity, and they're not at the point yet where they're going to challenge for the conference title. But you look at UAlbany, you know they're going to get up and down and they're going to try to score. UNH have a star in Clarence Daniels, and they can really shoot the three ball. Then you get into the likes of Binghamton. Maine can be pesky on their home floors. And then you get to the top teams of Vermont, Lowell, and Bryant. To me, it makes for a really fun week to week. And every time I turn on games that aren't UVM, feels like I'm not really sure what to expect, which for me is pretty entertaining. Because the team is imperfect and every game feels a little bit different than the one before, this will be an interesting answer to this question. What has impressed you about this team? It is their um, ability to stay together through adversity. And they, Brady, they're six and three when they trail at halftime. This team, when they're down, they have proven time and time again that they're willing to kind of grind it out. And they understand that they aren't perfect. They don't want to, they don't feel like they have to come out and play perfect basketball for 40 minutes to win. I don't think they played great against either Lowell or Bryant over the weekend. They, they shot it truly terribly against the Bulldogs and still were able to find a way to win. 
early in the year, they relied on the shot making of TJ Long and the shot making of Matt Verretto. Those two are slumping at the moment from deep, but TJ Hurley stepped up making shots from the outside. Underratedly, Aaron Deloney's been in double figures in four straight. And so it's the fact that they are so deep and the fact that they've had contributions when Shamir Bogues was out and they just keep coming from behind. I mean, the Yale win is the one that everybody thinks about as far as never saying that they're dead, but they came back down big against Northeastern. They came back down as much as seven against UMass Lowell. I think of Colgate, they were down, or excuse me, Charleston, down nine at halftime early this year. It's really been a fun team in the sense that there isn't a star. They aren't a perfect team for 40 minutes, really, ever, but they keep finding ways to get it done, whether it is their bench, whether it is their defense, whether it is the shot making of the TJs. It's, um, like you said, it's not the best team under John Becker, but man, this group are tough. Brian McLaughlin with us here, the voice of the UVM men's basketball team, team 6-0 inside league play. He's here with us on the Brady Farkas Show on WDEV, AM and FM, WDEVradio.com. I'm so impressed by the mindset and that resilience of some individual players because I don't know that I've ever really seen a situation where one day Deloney, who's the leader of this team, can play 17 minutes and score two points, and then the next day can be called on to play 32 minutes and score 18. We've seen Brenton Mills go from not playing to being a huge part of the rotation. Jace Rockamore, who didn't get off the bench for the entire what seemingly first semester and then was starting games and now is throwing down dunks in the lane the other day against Bryant. Like these guys who... It's just, it's the, the lineup is so deep that it's not consistent and guys are getting called on at different times and they're all finding a way to step up and contribute when they are called on. It is really one of the unique characteristics. And and I got to give so much credit to Aaron Deloney, man. If, if you could allow me to go on my soapbox yes. for a minute, just about that kid. Um, I, I think the leadership that he has done behind the scenes, I think cannot go understated enough. I can't say it loudly enough how great he's been off the court, during practice, whether he's in the starting lineup or not. That kid is the epitome of consistency. Um, And I think he's really grown into his ability to lead during games. He's gotten more vocal this year. He's been honest that that's not really something he felt he had needed to do in years past. And I recently asked him, I'm like, AD, were you kind of annoyed that everybody was like, we miss Robin Duncan's leadership at the beginning of the year, which I think was a fair thing to say. And he was just kind of like, I wasn't annoyed by it, but I never really understood it because he felt like he and Nick Fiorillo were in a great spot as leaders and and were able to hold their teammates accountable. And he has just done such a great job of whether it is Brenton Mills or Jace Rockamore or Sam Alamutu or O'Leary Iofalia, just keeping those guys' heads in the game. And AD's led by example. Some nights he only plays 15 minutes. Some nights it's 25 Um, And he is just, even though it hasn't been exactly the, maybe the player of the year campaign that a lot of people expected of him, he's leading this conference right now in assist to turnover ratio. He is in control of the game when he's on the floor. He's in control of this team when they are off the floor. Aaron Deloney has been awesome. He is, to me, the heart and soul of this team that I think they've needed him to be. What's the thing that makes you the most nervous about this team? The shots aren't falling at the moment. I do think long-term the shots will drop, but I think as far as just um, the the current worry, it is some of that shooting. I think you look it up and down the roster, the shots are going to fall for some of these guys every night. It's just a matter of enough against UMass Lowell. Um, you do worry at, at times still about post-defense. Um, 
Jonathan Beagle and New Albany come into town this Thursday. Beagle is the best post scorer in the league. Can Nick Fiorillo and Matt Verretto hold up in the post against that guy? That's how Colgate were able to beat this team. Throw it into the post to the seven-footer and let, at the time, Keegan Records go to work. So I think that's just kind of another, at least defensively, you feel like they're great guarding on the perimeter. You worry a little bit about the interior defense still. But I, I do think it, it. you just worry about a big scoring slump. It is kind of the in the back of your mind. They slumped for a big stretch against Lowell. They were able to get out of it. But a scoring slump at the wrong time where the shots stopped dropping is still kind of my, my I guess, my only, at the moment, the kind of worry. I guess along that line, I asked this of Becker after the UMass Lowell game in the, the virtual press conference um, that he had with local members of the media. And I asked him kind of basically, do you feel like your team is too reliant on the three at times, right? They, they took 33s in that game. And he said, we want more balance. Now they don't do it with a traditional back to the basket player. They get to the lane, they slash, they miss, they crash the boards, they get in the lane that way. My biggest worry would be, to your point, lack of three-point consistency but they really don't get to the line very much either. And in my mind, I'm like, if you're not going to hit the three, can you fall back on going inside and getting to the line? They only took nine free throws against Lowell. All nine were by Iofali. Some of them were in one-and-one garbage time down the stretch. That does worry me, the inability to get to the line. Part of that is you're playing a road game in a massive conference atmosphere. You're not going to get many free throws when you're on the road. But if you go into a slump like that at home, you do need to be able to draw some contact and force the officials to to make that call, right? That is something that I think you could, again, if you're critical of the offense, that's an area where I think you're critical. Um, As far as the offense in general goes, they early in the season were struggling because teams were switching everything. And that took away the Matt Verretto pick and pop threes. That took away some of Nick Fiorillo's popping game, which is where the two of them have been most comfortable. To those two's credit, they have gotten the ball on the block when they do get switched on to guards recently, and they've gone to work. Mm -hmm. Nick Fiorillo's performance against Bryant was a big boy step up offensive game from Nick. He got Sharif Gross Bullock or Miles Latimer on his back, and he said, I'm going to score on you. And that's what he did which is such a great development from Nick's standpoint. So I think that they have gotten to the point where if teams are going to switch, let's throw it to Matt or Nick in the post when a guard is on them. Um, If teams don't switch, that's when those two can pop for open threes. And I think they are still able to generate looks for the TJs, for Aaron Deloney hasn't gotten as many looks as maybe he would want from deep, but that's because he's the one who is doing a lot of the passing and ball creation this year, a little bit different than his previous role. But I think they're still generating the open looks. It's just right now their shooters outside of TJ Hurley have really been kind of ice cold for about a week or two. Um, But I do think they are still generating the looks that they want to at this point. And their offense changes when Shamir Bogues is out there. He adds a whole other dynamic that they didn't have for about three weeks with his ability to just blow by defenders and get to the rim. They're still working with Shamir on his decision-making. He has not been in this role before where he is the guy who is at times the dude on offense. And so he still has to iron out exactly his decision-making ability. Um, But that's something that I think will grow with Shamir over time. And this is a guy still with another year of eligibility. So they're really excited about where his career could go. But yeah, there are still hiccups are working out on offense, but I think they're at a point with their defense that they're able to now really iron out their offense, which I think is kind of flipped from the storyline at the beginning of the year where they were making every three they looked at. 
Brian McLaughlin, voice of the Catamounts on the Vermont Sports Network and at Learfield. Catamounts finally back at home coming up on Thursday, taking on UAlbany. Uh, this three-game road trip is over, and the Cats will go through it unscathed. 6-0 inside league play. Brian, much appreciated. We will uh, not take as much time between next talks. Thank you. Can't wait, Brady. Looking forward to talking again. Thanks for having me on.